Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here. We welcome you this morning. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us today. Amen. If you are watching us this morning on theantioch.com, whether live or archive, we welcome you this morning into our broadcast. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. We're going to start a little differently than we would normally start. Usually, if you're, not, if you're new here, we start with reading a text from a portion of Scripture. But because we strive today to be as close to following the Holy Ghost as we possibly can, sometimes things don't always go like they traditionally do. So I, I want to just take a moment and lay a little bit of a foundation um, and go forward from here. Uh, the last few months especially, um, I have become increasingly frustrated in my own personal life. It's not a reflection on anyone here. It's a personal frustration that uh, the frustration that I have dealt with is the fact that uh, um, I get so tired sometimes of church. I know that may sound strange to you, uh, especially if you don't know me, considering, you know, aren't you, aren't you the pastor here and don't you do this for a living? How can you say that? But let me explain to you when I say church, I don't mean coming together, but I, I get tired sometimes of the predictability of church. I mean, if you now, now I'm, I'm approaching 35 years of age and started coming to church several weeks after my birth, three times a week, 52 weeks a year, 152 minimum, 150 services a year times 34. You're starting to get up there a little bit. Need a kid. I need to take off my shoes and socks to get to figure all that out. And so after a while, you've been around church enough, you can start to predict things before they happen. It has nothing to do with your sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. It's not a spirit of prophecy. It's a spirit of suspicion. You can just figure it out because you've been around it. And, and we as human beings, we are conditioned to be creatures of habit. We function best in habit. We do our best when we live in habit, and, and that being our makeup, it's a tendency for us to take that and kind of go into our spiritual life, and things become habitual. And like anything that becomes habitual, when it becomes habitual, you're able to do it without thinking about what you're doing. Anyone's ever walked into a room and instinctively reached over to your right to flip on a switch and it's not there because instinctively you've done that thousands of times. And so without even realizing it, you do it and you realize there wasn't even a light there, but I just did it anyways. Or those of you that follow the same way to work every day, there are some days you get up in the morning, you get in your car and you get thinking about something else and you arrive at your job and you think, how did I get here? You don't remember turning, you don't remember braking, you don't remember accelerating, you don't remember you ran in your red lights. I mean, you're looking in your rearview mirror, seeing when it's following you with flashing lights, because you knew, I don't know if I broke laws or anything 
Because that's how our brain works. And I have a, I, we have a tendency to bring that same mentality in the church. And so we come, and a lot of us here, there, there's a lot of us that are veterans in the, all this. We've been doing this for a while. And let's be honest, it's August, it's hot, summertime, things are going on, a lot of stuff, you know, and it's just that summer mode that we all get into. And it's easy sometimes to go into our religious activities with just simply our brains turned off and we come and we can sing a few songs and that's great. And well, we sing a few and even we can even go through the emotions of worship because we've done it so many times. It's habitual. Lift our hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We can even speak in tongues. I know we think of that as the, 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 the mecca of spiritual activity, but you can do that and be thinking about a cheeseburger. And so we allow all this to take place. And if we're not careful, instead of that being just a moment, it turns into a, into a, to a, a pattern, and that pattern turns into a rut. And then after a while, we just start getting to this mentality of, we just go to church because that's what we do. But we, we've lost the, 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 the reality of why we're here. We, we lost the depth of what is here in this place. That it's not simply about coming together to fulfill an hour and a half block of time to check off our spiritual uh, to-do list for the week. But there's actually an opportunity here to experience spiritual depths that aren't available outside of a situation like this. Because the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I would be in the midst. So there is a guarantee. That means if you're by yourself, there's not always a guarantee you're going to feel the presence of God. But he says, if I can at least get two people to come together and agree, under my name, I will guarantee, signed, sealed, delivered, I will be with you. So there's opportunity to be here. There's opportunity to, to achieve something. And, and, and I've, I, I'll say it this way. I, I was going to title this today, this title, but I'm not sure where we're going, so I didn't want to put a label on something and end up way off. But, but there's something in my spirit, especially the last few months, that says this, I've come too far to settle for so little. I've come too far to settle for, and maybe you think today this is the greatest thing going, and I hope you think that way, but my, for me, I've come way too far to settle, because let's be honest, if Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he went through everything he went through and then sacrificed his flesh on a cross and then went to the grave and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And three days later, the ground shook, the earth quaked, and the stone rolled away. He got up for 40 days. He walked, resurrected. And on that 40th day, he ascended into heaven and said, I'm going to bring you something and you're going to be endued with power from on high. Go to Jerusalem and pray and tarry. And he did all that and orchestrated all of that. Do you mean to tell me he went through all of that so that I can come and sing a few songs in church? 
You think that was the epitome of what he was trying to strive for by coming to this earth and sacrificing himself that you and I could experience a good, cute little program on a Sunday morning? Hello? You're looking at me like a deer in the headlights. Am I, am, I, am I correct in assuming that the Creator would have not have visited the creation only to allow us to experience a few songs, given an offering, have somebody talk to us for half an hour so that we can go back and resume our week? That Jesus... Jesus would have got on that cross by his own choice when he could have called down angels with one snap of his finger called angels to take him off that cross but yet he said nevertheless not my will but thine be done and chose on his own accord to get on that cross and sacrifice to the agony and pain of crucifixion after everything he had gone through, to go through all that pain and go through all that agony and go through all that trouble so that you and I could sit 2,000 years later in an air-conditioned room and go through a few ceremonial hallelujahs, amens, thank you, Jesus, read a few words on a, on a screen, sing a few songs, and boy, that was great. I really have it. I really, maybe that's your... That's, maybe that's your, your, your definition or your, your concept of, of what this, this Christian walk is supposed to be like, you know? The Christian walk. We're supposed to go to church and we're supposed to do these activities and we're supposed to do this and I've got to do that and got to do, and that's your ideolo- ideology of what we're doing here. But, but, but when I read that book, I, 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 it doesn't add up. Recently, I've been fascinated afresh and anew. And some of you know me, and I know a lot of you, I say this, and you, you're, you roll your eyes. And I, and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I, I'm a big-time history person. I love history. I, I like to, 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 to kind of just devour history. I think it's a very fascinating uh, subject. There's so much in history that can teach us about today, and there's so much... Uh, amazing events in history um, that that go into place, uh, and also it's amazing. Several years ago, uh, actually, not several years, last year, had the opportunity uh, to go to Boston uh, on on a little few day adventure. Um, we actually went up there to watch the Orioles play, but we had some downtime. It wasn't spiritual, I trust me. The Orioles play, and uh, we had some downtime. And so we got to do the, the Freedom Trail in Boston. If you don't know what that is, the Freedom Trail is, is tied to the Revolutionary War. And what was fascinating to me in that little tour that we took was how fragile this country was built on. I mean, literally, it came down to sometimes a guy on a horse going the wrong way on a, on a fork in the road that caused our country. And, and when you think about all that, it's hard to look at all that and think that God didn't have a hand in all of this. It wasn't the brilliance of man that, that orchestrated all of this. And so I'm very fascinated by all that. And, and I've got to, to recently digging into 
the, the origins of the New Testament church and what it was like in the New Testament church. And there's several things that I want to point out to you today as we kind of go on this journey. We're, we're not just going to, this is not going to be a theological message, but we're going to lay a foundation to get to the point I want to make today, or I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to make. I'm going to challenge something on you today, and for some of you, it, it, you might be taken back by it at first, but I'm not trying to challenge to, to bring confusion, but I want you to think a little bit. I, I, that book you're holding in your hand, we don't bring it much anymore because we've, we have digital copies, but that Bible that you hold in your hand, that is the Word of God. We believe that. I believe that that is the Word of God. But the order of that book isn't exactly the order that it's always been in. It didn't always start with Genesis and end with Revelation and have all the 66 books lined up quite like we've got it. Does that mean the Bible that we have is an error? I don't believe it is. But there's, there's something interesting about going back and looking at how things were constructed and written, and it gives us some insight into some things that I believe today the Holy Ghost will help us with. Take, for instance, in your Bible today, the Old Testament is written, starting with Genesis, and goes through all the books, but that wasn't the original, uh, um, the original uh, uh, order. In fact, the original order started with Genesis and end, ended with Chronicles. And they're the, the books that go in between that. In fact, Jesus understood the order of this book. Because Jesus said to the disciples and those that were gathered, he said, you've learned of me in the books of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. So even Jesus understood this order. And there's some, I'm not getting into this today, but there's some fascinating things. If you ever go, just look up the Hebrew Bible the order, the order of the Hebrew Bible, and look how it was constructed. It's very interesting. But going further into that, the New Testament, as we look at it today, we look at it as we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and we've got this, this perceived order that we go into. But if we stop for a moment and we deconstruct that and we see what books were written first, there's something I feel like is very interesting in this. First of all, some of you may not know this, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not the first four books written in the New Testament. In fact, the book of John, some scholars have argued the gospel of John was, may have been one of the last books ever written in the Bible. You say, well, why is it put there? Well, those that put the Bible together, they determined in, in trying to make it palatable for our reading they chose to put those gospels together but that wasn't the way it was worded in fact the first book written in the new testament was the book of james and what's fascinating about that I, I, again i know some of you have lost you and that's okay we'll get you on the back side of this we're going around this mountain we'll fix you we'll get you on the other side but what's fascinating about the book of james being the first book that it was written most scholars believe it was written sometime in the late uh, 40, 40, 46, 47, 48, 49, some as early as 45 A.D. Well, Jesus was crucified, resurrected, anywhere from 30 
to 33, somewhere like, somewhere in that, in that and no one knows the exact date. So you've you got to realize that the book of James was written anywhere from 10 to 15 years after Jesus had gone, to, ascended into heaven, the Holy Ghost had poured out all the events that were recorded in Acts. There'd been 10 to 15 years of, of no written instruction. And so what's interesting about that is that when you read the book of James, it gives you insight. Here's the infancy. Jesus had only been gone for about 10 to 15 years. That means there were still eyewitnesses that were there. There were still people that James was writing to that had physically laid eyes on Jesus. And so if you read the book of James, it's fascinating what James talks about because it shows you the mindset of that first group of believers. It was the first generation. We weren't talking about the 10th, the 12th, the 15th generation of believers. James was writing to the first generation of believers. And James begins to talk about faith without works is dead. These are people, they're not like you and me today. I've never seen Jesus. I've never shaken his hand. I've never seen him walk down the road. I've never seen him physically go up and touch the blind man with his eyes and mud in his eyes and speak. I never saw that. But there were people in the audience that James was writing to that had seen that. And he says, you can't just proclaim faith. You've got to do something about it. And then he said something interesting in all that. He said, don't just simply be hearers of the word. But be what? Doers. So that means that there were people 10 years into all this that were talking a good game but weren't doing anything about it. And James says, listen, you can't just talk about this, but you've got to do this. And there's too many people, I'm, I'm sorry folks, and this offends you, I don't mean to be offensive to you today, but there are too many of you today that come and you hear, but you do nothing about it. You listen, you take it in, you may even agree outwardly and say, you know what, yeah, amen, I believe that. But if you don't go and act on that, your faith is void. And faith is the infancy of all this. You've got to have faith. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible impossible to please God. But faith alone can't save you. Because if faith alone can save you, then, the de then demons are saved because the Bible says demons believe. So if faith alone saves you, then the all of hell is saved because all of hell believes. So he said, you can't just speak it. You've got to do it. And there's too many Christians today that know how to talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And that's why God, for most of us, continues to let us go through things to increase our faith. Because there's one thing about faith being talked about, but there's a whole other thing to faith being in action. It's one thing to proclaim here today that you believe God can do anything, but it's a whole other thing when you've got to pray the impossible prayer. So we begin to look at this, and, and then we go a little farther, and, and then right after the book of James was written, Paul is already on the scene 
Paul was already there. And so Paul begins to write his letters. First, he begins to write them to the, to the church there, Thessalonica. We get Thessalonians. And then he began to write, write to the church there in Galatia, to the Galatians. And he wrote these words. But then one of the very first books that's written in the New Testament, and this is where I want to go today, and this is where we're going to land our plane for a moment, is Corinthians. First Corinthians. Now, in your Bible, it looks like it's down the list, but in the actual order that it was written, it was probably the fourth or fifth book written in the New Testament. And actually, what's interesting about this, and again, I know I'm boring some of you, and that's okay. Some of you will find this interesting. This actually wasn't the first letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We don't know what happened to the first letter. We call this 1 Corinthians, but actually he had written something to them uh, before this, but it gotten lost in history because Paul alludes to the fact that he had done that. He alludes to the fact that this wasn't the first time he had talked to them. So we find 1 Corinthians, and here, here's this interesting thing, okay? I know for some of you, I, 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 I'm going to quit apologizing. If you don't, I'm just following the Holy Ghost. If this is a history lesson for you and you've checked out, that's okay. So you've got to understand something. Paul is, is talking to a church that, that, that's still on the upswing. The church there in Corinth that had been started there by Paul on one of his missionary journeys. But it hadn't been going on, but he got some reports back. And so he writes this letter to them. And he starts off because there were some things that were being done there in the church of Corinth. And there's some divisions. And he begins to talk to them in the first chapter. But then chapter 2, he says something that I think is just absolutely so profound. And is, a, and is so applicable to us today. He says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm reading from the New King James if you want to follow along, it says this, and I, brethren. Now, I want you just for a moment, okay? Let's just, let's work with me just for a moment. Wake up for a minute and let's work together, okay? You're a first century Christian, all right? You're a first century Christian. You're not living in 2000, let's roll it back 2000 years. You, you're a first century Christian. You're still in the infancy of all of this. It's it's a new thing. It's, but, but you're also, you're also sandwiched. You're the cream of, in the Oreo cookie, okay? Because you've got those that are, that are in the Jewish faith that still believe that everything should be done under the law, with the law. Because the, the temple was still intact when this was written. The temple wasn't destroyed till 70. AD. This was written while, while, while the Jews were still practicing the law like they'd been practicing it throughout Jesus' lifetime. So you've got that side, and on the other side, you're in a pagan world surrounded by pagan ideology. So you become the cream in this Oreo cookie of religion that has so many different philosophies so many different ideologies. And Paul says this, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony for God. And then he breaks it down so simply. Paul, the great apostle, breaks all of this down to one thing and one thing only, folks. You want to know, you may say, sometimes living for God stuff is so hard. Paul 
deconstructs it all and makes it as simple as anybody can follow, even a child. He says this, for I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, you can make all of this And you know what? Let's be honest. Some of you, you're fascinated with end time stuff. You want to know, is the, are the Russians coming? Are the Chinese coming? Is the Islam coming? I mean, you want to know all this. And so you dig deep into the, into the depths of all of, uh, all the end time stuff. And there's so many facets of all this you can get spider webbed into. But Paul said, listen, when you boil it all down, there's one thing that you and I, everybody in this room has to have at the top of your list. No matter if this is your first Sunday or you come here every week and you're a you're a charter member of all this there's one thing that every person in this room has to have at the top of the list it has to be there every day when you wake up not simply on sunday morning when it's convenient but on monday morning on tuesday morning on wednesday evening on thursday afternoon on friday dinner time on saturday breakfast with your newspaper there's one thing that's got to be on the top of your list i don't care about anything else paul said i've got one thing and one thing only I want to know Jesus. See, getting to know him is not about coming to church. I'm not trying to be anti-church. You think I'm, no, I believe, I love coming to church. I believe we all should come to church. There's, There's hundreds of scriptures about coming together. There are, there are things that you can't do unless you're a part of a church. We can get in all of that. But there's one thing that you and I have got to find. We've got to find a relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus in this room today, everything that we are doing to you today makes no difference. All of this All of this must be built on a foundation of do you know him? Because there will come a time if it hasn't happened now, it will come around. There will be a time where your faith will be stretched so thin and pushed to the max. And if you don't know him, if you haven't seen him and felt him and touched him, if all you know of him is a few songs that we sing or somebody that preaches to you or someone that comes along and prays for you, if that's all you know of him, when your faith is stretched thin, there'll be nothing to fall back on. But if you know him, not just in an experimental way where you've come, you've sung a few songs, you said a few hallelujahs, but I'm talking about on a Monday when you've got down on your knees and say, Jesus, nobody's around. Nobody's singing a song. Nobody's here to look at me and determine if I'm doing it right or doing it wrong. I don't even know what to play, pray, but God, I've got to know you. Oh, I've got to know you. I want to know who you are. I don't want to just hear about you for somebody else. I don't want to hear a preacher tell me who you are. But God, I want to step into your presence all by myself and find out who you are. You see, if you take that away, all this is pointless if you take away the relationship side of it this becomes a monotonous 
Exercise it. We do every day. Why am I here? That preacher is telling me what to do. I don't want any of this. But when you have a relationship, when you know who he is, when you get in your car on your way to work and you feel him right there, when you wake up in the morning, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Well, the devil, he don't like it. But my mind is stayed on Jesus. Well, the devil, he don't like it. But my mind is stayed on Jesus. Well, the devil, he don't like it. But my mind is stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Well, it's Monday morning, but my mind is stayed on Jesus. It's Tuesday night, but my mind is stayed on Jesus. It's not Sunday morning when I'm supposed to be thinking about him. But it's 24 hours, seven days a week. When I get up in the morning, he's right there. When I lay my head down at night, he's right there. On the mountain, he's there. In the valley, he's there. Because I have a relationship with Jesus. You see, when you have a relationship with him and you're not just participating in this vehicle, this, this, this mothership of religion where you're just along for the ride, but you know him, there is nothing that you can't make it through. Because you know what? If you don't know him, when the trials come, the winds come, the waves begin to beat up on your ship. All of a sudden you realize, what am I doing? But when you know him, when you know him, this wasn't a guy who wrote that, said, I, I strive to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This wasn't a, 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 a person that had never experienced anything. This was one of the, the most scholarly, ingrained people in all of that area. He knew everything there was to know like the back of his hand. And I'm not here today to say we, not, we shouldn't strive to learn and to enrich ourselves with all kinds of stuff. But I think so many times we begin to use that as a crutch. Because there's nothing that can take the place of knowing Him. 
I enjoy listening to preaching. I enjoy listening to, to, to men and women of God who, who can deliver a word from God. I like to go, I go on YouTube a lot and I, I pull up old stuff and I like to go, I like to go way back in the ar- archives of some stuff and there's some really, there's some, there's some stuff on there you shouldn't get listening to, so I wouldn't encourage you just to go blindly, but there's some awesome, awesome preaching for men and women of God, some going back to the, to, to the 70s and 80s, and it's all kinds of enriching stuff, but all that can't take the place of knowing Him. And I'm afraid today in our church world, we've become conditioned to think about what's in it for me. And we've been conditioned that God is no longer this person of relationship, but it's more of a genie in the bottle. Come Sunday morning, rub the lamp so that God can pop out and say, well, you worship me, I'm here, what are your three wishes? Well, God, you know, I'd like like that done and I'd like you to do that. And if you could get around to it, could you do that? Sure, no problem. I'll do that for you. You showed up here on Sunday morning. That's the least I could do. Grants your three wishes, wiggles his way back into the lamp. You put the lamp in your pocket, walk out. I'm good to go to next Sunday. And that's the cycle that we've got into. And the fact that I realize, do you think he came? I'll go back to the original beginning of us. Do you really think he suffered? On that cross in agony to be your genie? To be your butler? To be your bank account? Your lottery? No. Can God supply all your needs? Yes. Can God do miracles? Yes. But beyond all that, His desire is for you to know Him. Not through the eyes of somebody else. Not through my testimony. You see, it's one thing for you to hear my testimony, but you need your own testimony. It's one thing to hear my experience, but you need your own experience. It's one thing to hear about somebody who was lost and found Jesus, but you've never really truly, until you found Him on your own. Because you see, I can sit up here today, and I can teach you all kinds of stuff, but the Holy Ghost can explain all kinds of stuff, and you walk out of here and you go, wow, and that's great. And you walk away, and in about two days, you'll forget most of the stuff that was talked about today. I don't even remember what I talked about last week. And I was the one up here. I'm not expecting you to remember what happened. So if all we are trying to do here today is come to listen to a few words, that's proven that most of the time we can't even remember anything that's preached but the experience of His presence. You see... I can't remember very few messages preached in my life. But right now at the top of my head, I can take you to 10 places minimum without even thinking of places where Jesus Christ stepped into my life and touched me and I knew it was Him and Him alone. And it wasn't always at an altar after service with all kinds of people. There were a lot of times it was in a car, it was in a home, it was somewhere outside of all this. But I knew... I couldn't say, well, you know, it was because of singing, it was because of preaching, but I knew that Jesus stepped down. 
Those things change your life. And Paul's saying, listen, don't get caught up in all the, just the talking and the preaching. And all that's great. And preaching and talking about God is awesome. But you can't take away from having a true experience with Jesus Christ. If all you ever experience of, of, from God is what someone else tells you, then you're never truly experiencing God as he wants to show you today. If you're new here today and you're wondering what's going on, let me tell you what's going on. God desires to have a personal experience with you today. That's what this is about. It's not about a church or a man or a music or any of that. It's about the fact that I want God to touch my heart. Because someone, most of you today, you couldn't tell me what was preached the day you got the Holy Ghost. But most of you can tell me when you got the Holy Ghost. Most of you can't tell me what the preacher said over you when they baptized you in that water. But you remember being baptized in that water. Because the experience, experience, and Paul goes on to say, he says this, we'll go back and, he says, for I'm determined not to know anything among you, this verse 2, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching we're not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Man, I, I got to be honest with you. There is a, there is such, and I can feel it. And sometimes I succumb to it. There is a pressure on the pulpit to up your game. Listen, every time I step in here, I strip, and I'm not saying, I'm, I, I strive to be at the best I can be for that day through the power of the Holy Ghost. But there's a pressure on the pulpit to, to be the all-star, to walk in, tell me something I don't know, show me something I don't know, Dig, give, me, give me something good, show me something good, because you know what, if I don't, you know, listen, I've come here, I'm here, and there's this, there's this pressure. And Paul said, listen, I didn't come to you with fancy words. I didn't come to you with screens and slides and all that. I came to you with one thing, with demonstration, the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of what? God. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, today, I believe if we are ever truly going to see God do what God wants to do, it's not going to be because we become better preachers. It's not because we're going to become better singers. It's not because we're going to get a better building. We're going to get better. We're going to become good at hosting and ushering, have all this stuff. And all that's great. We need all that. I'm not saying anything that we try to have the best we can possibly afford. But you can't substitute the demonstration of the power of God. It's not going to be a building that saves somebody. It's not going to be some good, fancy message that saves somebody. It's not going to be a few songs that save somebody. It's not going to be an usher or a greeter that shakes their hand just the right way to get them in the building to sell them Jesus. That's not what's going to...
going to do this. But we have got to become hungry for the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wish a few of you believed that. We have got to become hungry to shake the bonds of religion. To say, I'm not coming in here to go through the motions. But I'm coming here believing that God is going to demonstrate His power. We've got to become hungry. We've got to become vivacious. We've got to become absolutely one track and one track minded. And God, you've got to show up in this place. Because if we come here, we go through the motions. I don't care how good the singing is. I don't care how good the preaching is. But if all we do is show up, we've done nothing. But the purpose of why we're here in this place is because he didn't stay on the cross he didn't stay in the grave the bible says that three days later he walked out of the grave and he he was sent to heaven why did he do all that not for us to have good church he did that to demonstrate his power we have got to have a fresh demonstration of the power of God. Those people that are driving by here this morning, car after car, car after car that drive by here, look to their right and don't even pay attention to what's on this hill. They're not coming because we preach good. They're not going to come because we sing good. They're not going to come because we get a fancy building. And if you can see the building we're, 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 we're trying to build, it's going to be absolutely amazing. But they're not coming. They may come one service and check it out and say, well, this is nice. But if there's nothing happening, all it's going to be to them, hey, have you ever been to Camden Yards? That place is beautiful. You walk in there, they've got grass is absolutely perfect. The, I mean, they're out there with tweezers putting dirt in place. I mean, it is absolutely immaculate. And you got that beautiful warehouse to the right that's absolutely amazing. You've got the buildings in the background. I mean, if you're going to go to work, that's the place to go to work. It's beautiful. But Camden Yards has never saved anybody. If you walked in here today, and your life was broken. And you walked in here today. And you may have a smile on your face. And you may have your clothes in order. But down inside you're broken. You're hurting. You don't care if there's lights. You don't care if the ceiling tiles fallen. You don't care if there's fans or no fans. You don't care if there's light bulbs. Or we're all standing here with cell phones. Trying to get enough light to see. You don't care. The only thing you care is. I need help. I need help. And I don't care what the building has to offer. Without Jesus, it's nothing. The greatest times in this church have been in some of the worst buildings. I mean, warehouses. I mean, places that nowadays we look at this and we go, this is nice. Back then, I mean, they wanted to get cool. They had to open up the garage door. That was their way of getting cool. That's what it was about. But God moved in miraculous ways. And there are some of you that are sitting here today because of garage doors. 
But there's a tendency for us to get comfortable and begin to rely upon all that surrounds us that we forget this is all about one thing. Jesus Christ and the demonstration of his spirit and his power. I don't know today, and I, and, and, and I don't know if I'm preaching more out of passion or preaching out of my own frustration. I don't know, but I'm just trying to let the Holy Ghost flow. But I need somebody in this place today that would agree with me. This ain't going to cut it. Forgive my language, but this ain't going to cut it. I'm not willing to continue to go through the motions and talk about what God can do. I'm ready. My hunger says, God, I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I want to see your glory. I've come too far to settle for so little. I've come too far to settle for so little. I've come too far in all this to say, well, in this great, let's pitch a tent here. No, 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 no. My Bible says he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. A little later, a few verses after Paul said that, he says, I hasn't seen ear hasn't heard it hasn't even entered into your mind what God has prepared but it's been revealed to you by his spirit I know some of you I'm about to make you very uncomfortable and I'm doing it on purpose I know some of you don't like all the spiritual stuff it's a little too you know what there's a lot of other churches you can go to today that will be glad to have you that are dead, dull, and got nothing going on. If that's what you want, there are plenty. And so if all the spiritual stuff is a little too weird for you, I'm sorry. You may come to other times where, where I'm not in charge, but when I'm in charge up here, the Spirit has got to be in this place. And you know what? Hey! Let some of these... Some of these veterans around here, let, let, brother, let, let Sister Owens or Brother Whaler, some of them, tell some of the stories of some of the stuff that used to happen in, in services. Sister Bonnie, you saw some of that stuff. I mean, you'd look at some stuff and I'm talking about people doing cartwheels and, and all kinds of craziness and all that. And man, we're a little too sophisticated for that now. We got, whoa, we can't be, this is 2015. We, we can't be doing all that crazy crazy you know the world doesn't accept that but i'm telling you right now there were people that were walking in this place that were messed up beat up broken up but when they walked in this place yes there were some crazy people but god was in this place and we can sit in our staunchiness and our conservativeness and our hallelujah thank you God, you're so good. And people will walk in here and go, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? But hey, every once in a while, we need somebody where the Holy Ghost hits you like a lightning bolt where you can't control yourself and all you want to do is just begin to move around a little bit. Hey, that may be crazy to you, but he said, I'm not looking to impress you. I'm looking to impact you.
I wish somebody would take about five seconds, stand to your feet, and just let God do whatever God wants to do. Yay! That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yes, 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 yes. Come on and break the mold for a second. Get out of where you're sitting. You don't have to come down here. But don't just stand there and do what you normally do. But let something rise up in you that say, God, I'm desperate for you to move. I'm desperate for you to demonstrate your power and your might. Come on, reach over and touch somebody. Reach over and grab a hold of somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder. Grab a hold of their hand and say, come on, let's touch Jesus together right now. Come on, let's touch Jesus. Come on. It's not another service. It's not a religious activity. But we need God to move in this place. Holy Ghost, rise up. Faith, rise up. Faith, rise up in this place. In the name of Jesus. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Spring up well. I bind the spirit of religion. I bind the spirit of apathy. I bind the spirit of doubt. I lose faith. I lose the gift of faith. I lose the operation of faith. In this place, now, in Jesus' name. I bind the chains of addiction. I bind the chains of depression. I bind the chains of bondage. In the name of Jesus. Let your power be demonstrated. Let your authority be moved in this place. In the name of Jesus. Every demon. Every demon in this place. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I cast you down and rebuke you. This place is the place where God reigns. This place is the place where the spirit of the Lord is. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I loose angels in this place. I loose the manifestation of angels in this place. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Some of you are tapping into something. Some of you are tapping into it right now. Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to work. There's no altar call today. It's out of your own hunger. Out of your own desire. How much do you want God to move in your life? I loose it now in Jesus name I loose it now in Jesus name I loose it now in Jesus name oh let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn up every sin in this place let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn out every lust every desire that's not of you in this place every heart and every life God I loose the spirit of conviction to fall on them God if there are things in their life they're involved in that are taking them from your presence I speak the spirit of conviction over you right now in the name of Jesus let God's presence fall over you now 
Come on, we're not playing a game here today. This is about eternity. This is about life and death. But even greater than that, this is an opportunity for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to move over you. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Don't let us be satisfied with this, God. Don't let us be satisfied. But let there be a hunger that rises in us today. From the pulpit to the pew. Let there be a hunger that rises in our heart. Let there be a hunger that rises in our heart. To know you. To find you. To seek you. Oh, demonstrate your power. Demonstrate your presence in this place. Oh, let the chains of bondage be rattled free. Let them be shaken free. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just a few more moments. If you be used to the Holy Ghost, come on, be sensitive to those that are around you. God is moving in this place. Come on, let's not just check out and go through the motions. God is in this place. Come on, be used to the Holy Ghost for a moment. God is working all over this place. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place. God is desiring to touch lives in this place. Let him touch you. Oh, Oh, come on, prayer warriors. Come on, intercessors. Come on, prayer warriors. It's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. We need a fresh move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we need a divine visitation, Gather. We need a divine visitation of your power in this place. From the front to the back, over every heart, every life that walks in this place. Whether or not they know you or don't, God, you've got to shake them to their core. Don't let anybody walk in this room ever again and not be touched by your presence. Not be touched by your power. Not be touched by who you are. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Forgive us, God, for our complacency. Forgive us, God, that we've been trapped in the rut of religion. Forgive us, Father, that we've allowed uh, fancy words and enticing words to become our desire. And we've lost the desire for the demonstration of your power. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to do something here.
Just, just, we're, we're, we're not, we're not done. But if you've been here, if you've been in, in Antioch longer than 15 years, I want you to come down front. I don't care what age you are, but if you've been here longer than 15 years. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been here longer than 15 years, you know what I'm talking about. This is not a reflection of anybody in this room. But those of you that have been here for 15 years or more, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've known it. It's not just something to talk about, but it's something that every one of you has experienced in this place. You've experienced God moving. You know what it's like when he moves in a sovereign way, when he moves with his power. And you know when it does and doesn't happen. And you know good and well, all of you standing down here know that we can't go forward like this. But something has got to rise up. And it's got to start here with the hungry. Those of you that have seen it. As Job said, I've heard about it with my ears. But now I've seen it with my own eyes. You're not just hearing about it, but you've seen it happen. I want you that are down here to join with somebody down here. Grab them by the hand, put your hand on the shoulder. And this group is going to pray. This group is going to birth something in this place. This group, come on. Come on, those of you that are down here, you know how to pray. You know how to touch God. I'm asking you, let the Holy Ghost rise up in you right now. Come on, Antioch, we need a fresh move of God in this place. We can't live on the stale bread of yesterday. We can't live on the memories of what it used to be. But we need fresh manna. We need some fresh manna. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Yeah, come on, rise up, prayers. Come on, Antioch, rise up. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, let that hunger be broken in you again. Come on, let that hunger be broken in you. Let that well spring up. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. God, we need a fresh touch of you. Where are the miracles of our Father? Where are the miracles of our fathers? God, we're not satisfied any longer talking about what used to be, talking about how it used to be. But God, we're desperate for something to move afresh and anew, not living off the manna of yesterday, but having fresh manna fall today. Oh, 
Lord Jesus. Come on, this is the group that's got to break it. This is the group that's got to rise up. This is the group that's got to stand in the gap for those that are coming. This is the group that's got to be there. We can't rely on others to do it. You've been there. You've got on the other side of Jordan. You know what it's like to walk in the Shekinah glory of God. We can't live any longer satisfied with nothing. Satisfied with simply living in the ashes of what used to be. But we need a fresh fire to fall. Come on, come on. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Come on, some of you mothers of Zion. Come on, mothers of Zion. Cry out. Cry out for Jerusalem. Cry out for Jerusalem. Oh! Come on, that's it. We're moving something. Come on, something's beginning to shift. Let's not stop here until it breaks. Come on, let's not stop until it breaks. Oh, don't stop until it breaks. Come on, come on, let's press. Come on, those of you that are down here, you know how to press in the Holy Ghost. Let's press in the Holy Ghost until something breaks in this place. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, can we just get another wave one more time? Can we get another push? We're almost there, but we're not quite there. Can we push one more time? Can we push one more time? Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, Antioch, rise up. Come on, Antioch, rise up. Rise up, Antioch, rise up, Antioch. Oh, 
Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 ha ha shehi kahaya, ilurianda mama yeki alalobo sahaya. Come on, we need you. This group down here, we need you. This church needs you. This church needs your faith. This church needs your spirit. This church needs your stability. You're not a forgotten relic. You're not on the shelf. You're not passed over. You are needed for what God is wanting to do. Oh, we need fresh God. We need fresh. We need fresh. We need fresh manna. Fresh manna. Fresh manna. Oh, ikataya karamotoriata hayekahaya. we come against every principality and power we come against every principality and power that's warring in this place in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we come against it now in Jesus name we cast it down now in Jesus name every every spirit that keeps every service locked up every spirit that keeps the move of God from working I bind you in the name of Jesus I take authority over you now in the name of Jesus I cast you down you have no business and no right in here in the name of Jesus oh Shatabahaya. Oh, Shatabahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost. Shake us. Shake us afresh and anew.
Hallelujah. 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 Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I've got a challenge. I don't want to go as far to say a word from God. You take it as if you want it, but I got a challenge for this group right here and hear me in the Holy Ghost. I want everyone that's was, that was a part of this group. And this is not, please forgive me. I'm not trying to isolate or, or, or separate this, this body. We are one body. But these, those of you that are down here, you represent a, a foundation to all of this that all of the rest of us are on your shoulders. It doesn't mean we're better or you're better than anybody. It's just the fact that you have tasted and seen things. If you're here 15 years, you go back to the days of the, the bishop. The, the war stories, the goods and the bads, the ups and the downs of all of that. But let me tell you this. I mean this in the Holy Ghost and the soberness. This group down here, I know a lot of you are frustrated. A lot of you f- have more frustration, especially in the last couple of years than you ever had. But I challenge you in the Holy Ghost. The next time you open up those frustrations and you talk about it with somebody else more than you prayed about it. I pray the conviction of God would come over your heart. And if that doesn't work, I pray that God would paralyze your tongue. We need to stop talking about what is wrong and start getting to business and praying and let God Get all this straight now because all your opinions and all your talk and all what you think, it's just that. There's one person and one person on that can straighten all this out and get us to where we need to go. And he's bigger than all of us. And I'm not talking about praying that you just, you know, Lord, you know, you got to fix all this. I'm talking about get down to business and pray. It's time for us to move into action. Stop talking about it and start doing it. If we're not, we will die in this wilderness. We will die. We need Caleb and Joshua to stand up and look at all the other doubters that say, you know what, it's passed over, we can't do it, Antioch, you can't do it. And the Caleb and the Joshua and say, we are well able. We are well 
able. It's time for those of you down here that feel like you've been passed over, time has passed you by. It's time for your faith to be unleashed in this place so that God can do what he desires to do. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if I could have just found one, one, just one. What if God is looking for one person that's willing to say, you know what, I've had enough. And those of you that are down here, you can relate to what I said. You've come too far to settle for such so little. And those of you that have been around 25, 30 years, you've come way too far and you've seen too much to settle for this nonsense. Manzy pansy church come together, do a few little things, preach a little bit, say a few hallelujahs, and try to get the clock moving so we can go home and get... That junk's got to stop. This place needs to be comfortable for the sinner, but uncomfortable for the sin. We need to make everybody feel comfortable, but we need to make all the junk in their lives uncomfortable. And you can't do that through good preaching and good singing. You've got to have a visitation of the Holy Ghost in this place. So that when somebody walks in, they may look and go, my God, these people are out of their mind. But there's something. I would guess 95% of you in this standing up here. And those of you out there, the first time you walked in, you vowed you're never coming back because they're crazy. But there's something down in your heart that got in your spirit that says, I can't explain it all. It's weird. It's crazy. I may be joining something I may regret later, but there's something in my life that I can feel it. We, we've lost some of that, folks. We've lost, we've become a little too comfortable with just, and uh, satisfied with just, you know, it's summer or it's this or it's that. We've, 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 we've got all this stuff lined up. Why? You know what? We need, I, I'm going to use this term, and forgive me for using this term, but we need the rawness of his spirit again. We need, I was looking around this minute and I'm thinking, man, we're doing all this. It's Sunday morning. And I stopped myself. Wait a minute. What better time than now? Why do we have to act one way on Sunday morning so we can act the other way on Sunday night? Hey, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I can dance on Sunday night, I should be able to dance on Sunday morning. But you know what? I'm tired of pretty church. I'm tired of cute church. I, I'm tired of everything being in a nice little packet. I want some rawness again. I want somebody that you just get so hot, there's sweat everywhere, you stink, you're smelly, but that's because Jesus has so shaken you. You forgot what it's like because you forgot what you're wearing. You forgot who's around you. It's just raw. It's stinky. It's nasty. But it's true presence of God moving. I want some just raw church, not pretty church. I want people to leave out of here going, that place is crazy. That place is weird. That place is strange. If they're doing that, we're doing our job. If they're walking out of there going, well, that was just, that was nice. That was neat. We haven't done our job. There are times when we will put on our best face. We will make it pretty. 
Christmas program, man, we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll have it pretty. We got pretty decorations and we got it. We'll sing. Hallelujah. We'll sing all that. Silent night. We'll make it pretty. But there's sometimes we just need, we need somebody to take up the mantle of, of some of those older saints that have gotten a little slower. We need a new sister, Rosemary Lenny Camp. Those of you that remember that, it didn't matter what was going on in the service. It didn't matter if it was quiet. It didn't matter if we were at a funeral. When the Spirit of the Lord hit her, she was going to let everybody know it. And it was going to start one side, and you could hear it like a train coming. We need some of that. We don't need pretty church anymore. Pretty church don't get you anywhere. It may make it may make the religious feel good. But I'm sorry, I look at this book, I don't find pretty church. When you say I don't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, but I come in demonstration and power, that's not pretty church. That's raw church. That's not sophisticated church. That's just down in the dirt digging it out with your hand, saying, God, I'm desperate for you to move. And I don't care what's got to be done. I'm not leaving here until something happens. Praise God. Well, I feel something has just, there's, there's, there's something that's been sparked in here today. But it's up to this group right here to carry this. Don't let this die at the altar. I felt, I, I felt, literally, I, I, there's something that, that has just, there's a spark to something. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, something that's been just, I can't explain it more than just a spark. There's something that's, it's, we've, you've turned the crank a little bit and the engine's just, it shook a little bit, but I, I can, I can hear some rumbling, but you, we can't just let this die on the altar. We've got to take this forward. Those of you down here, turn to somebody that's down here and say, will you take this forward? Ask them. And if they say, I will, you tell them, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to it. But you, everybody else stand. Praise God. Everybody stand today. Praise God. 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 That's it. Come on. He's worthy. Yes. Yes, yes, I feel liberty in the house. I feel some liberty in the house. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh. Praise God. Turn to somebody and tell them the devil's about to have a bad week. He's going to have a bad week. I'm about to become his worst nightmare. Amen. Praise God. Make sure you shake somebody's hand. If you don't know them, greet them before you leave. God bless you. Come back and be with us tonight. Amen.